I love the series opening video that you just watched. To me, it really encapsulates what the season of Advent is all about. Advent is a season where we are invited to move towards the light, to lean in towards the light. You know, during the season where we're going through right now, uh, there's a propensity in our hearts to lean towards the darkness, to lean our souls towards hopelessness, to give in to fear and anxiety and allow discouragement to set in. So as we're going through this series entitled Light in the Darkness, which is a series based on John's prologue, my prayer is that hope would be rekindled in your life and that you would move intentionally towards the light of God. See, one of the things that it means to move towards the light is to explore the truth of Christmas. What is Christmas truly about? What is Christmas truly revealing to us? I want to read uh, the passage that we have in front of us today, which is John 1, verses 9 through 13. So will you read it with me? This is what the Word of God says. The true light which give light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. This is the word of the Lord. So as we move towards the light in search of truth, what does Christmas reveal to us? According to this passage, uh, three very important things. Number one, it reveals our need for truth. Number two, it reveals our problem with the truth. And then number three, how the truth can set us free. One, let's look at one, uh, our need for truth. And, and we find that in verse nine. Uh, why did Jesus come into the world? One of the ways that we can explain the reason why Jesus came into the world, according to John's language here in his prologue, is that Jesus came because the world was in darkness. The world was set in darkness. Uh, what that means is that we were blind to ultimate reality. We could not understand what reality was all about. So Jesus comes into the world as a light to reveal to us ultimate reality. Imagine that you were in a dark room that you've never been before. And let's imagine that this dark room is uh, 10,000 square feet wide. And that in this room, uh, there are objects and furniture pieces that you don't know how they are arranged. And uh, because you have never been in that room before, uh, you would not know how to get yourself out of that room. And that would be your challenge, of course, would be to get out of that room. What would happen? Uh, first of all, you would not know in which direction to go, right? Because you've never been there before. And uh, all of a sudden, as you would be moving towards a particular direction, you would, be, you, would, you would start bumping into things, tripping into things, getting frustrated with the risk of actually getting really hurt. My kids, I don't know about your kids, they, uh, they have this habit sometimes of moving the furniture around the living room. 
They do that because, you know, they want to build forts and, uh, uh, you know, they bring friends over. So they rearrange things, but sometimes they forget to put things back in its place. And I remember one night as I was carrying one of our little girls back to bed, uh, she, was, she fell asleep in our bed and I was moving through the living room. Um, as I was walking through that dark living room, I hit the edge of this coffee table that was not supposed to be in that location, in that particular place. And the wood in that thing is so hard that a big gash opened on my shin. Think about that. Now, thanks God, I did not drop the baby, and I managed to uh, control myself so that I wouldn't scream really loudly. And I was able to take the baby to her room and place her in her crib without waking her up. But when I finally turned on the light, there, there was blood streaming down from my shin. And I finally started screaming, and my wife and my other daughters came to, to rescue and to help me. As you see, that's, that's what life lived without Christ sometimes is like. Disorientation, frustration, pain, suffering. Without Jesus, the point of this passage, see, it talks about Jesus as the true light. Without Jesus, we are unable to navigate life in this world. See, we need Jesus to see things as they truly are so that we're able to navigate through life towards the direction of God. C.S. Lewis put it this way. He said, I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen, not only because I see it, but because by it I see everything else. Here's an idea that a relationship with Jesus allows you to see things as they truly are. And I want to say more to that, and that is that by being closer to to Jesus, or the closer you are to Jesus, the clearer things will be for you. Imagine that in that room, a lamp is lit in the back of the room. Maybe If that lamp is lit in the back of the room far away from you, it will give you at least enough light to orient yourself, but there will still be many spots where it will still be dark for you to find an exit. It would be much better, right, for that light to be with you. If that light were with you, you would see things right in front of your eyes, and that way you would be better navigating yourself through that room because there's light all around you. The closer you have a relationship, the closer you are to Jesus, the closer you draw near to Jesus, more self-aware you become. More aware of who God is you become. More aware of what God is doing in the world and in your life you become. So draw near to Jesus. He is the true light. He is the truth that we all need. Now, even though Jesus is the truth and the light that we all need, there is still some resistance in our hearts 
to receive that truth and receive that light. Moving on to point two, our problem with, with the truth. Uh, we read in verses 10 and 11 the following. I don't know if you remember, but let's read them again. He was, meaning Jesus, was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. I find this verse, these two verses very interesting because here is God trying to solve humanity's problem. He sends his light in the person of his own son into the world to lead humanity out of darkness. And yet, when he comes and he begins to exercise his purpose, he is rejected. Why would people reject God's help and God's rescue and God's salvation? There is an old movie that I'm very familiar with. I don't know if you've seen it. It's entitled A Few Good Men. In that movie, a man has died, and uh, Lieutenant Caffey, played by um, Tom Cruise, thinks that uh, Colonel Jessup has something to do with that man's death. And in a heated interrogation session, he presses him for the truth to which Colonel Jessup responds, you want the truth? You can't handle the truth. See, sometimes the truth makes us very uncomfortable because the truth confronts us. The truth exposes us. And when we know that we have been exposed or confronted by the truth, the natural propensity of our hearts, you see all this defense mechanism goes up, and we tend to avoid it or we tend to shut it off. Let me ask you a very simple question. When was the last time that you stepped into a weight scale? Why? Why are you afraid? That thing is in your bathroom, you look at it, and you're like, oh, you, you, you run away from it like a ghost because you're afraid of what it will reveal. When was the last time you went to the doctor's office? I hate going to the doctor's office because I don't want to hear what's wrong with me. <laughs> I want to avoid the facts. I want to avoid the truth because, you know, I want to eat what I like to eat and I like to want to do the things that I like to do. I don't want to hear that there's anything wrong with me. Some of you have a hard time actually even logging into your bank app or bank account because you're afraid of the numbers that you will find there. <laughs> you're afraid of that. See, uh, I have, a, I have a, a little daughter by the name of Francesca. And, uh, you know, she, she is a piece of work. She's so much fun, but she's very, very active. And uh, when we, while we were having a Thanksgiving dinner outside in our patio, she climbed in this ladder that was in my backyard. And uh, all of us said, Francesca, get down from the ladder. You are going to fall. You are going to crack your head. Do you want to break your arm? Do you want to get hurt? Do you want to go to the hospital? And she says, guys, psh, 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 do this. Close your eyes. Close your eyes. She wanted us to close our eyes so she could keep doing what she wanted to do. She did not want to hear the truth. She would say, close your eyes and don't say anything. Don't say anything. Why? 
because she did not want to hear the truth. See, one of the reasons I believe that for us, it's so much easier during the season of Christmas to focus on the character of Santa and, you know, the, the northern uh, countries of our globe and the weather there, even though, you know, half of the globe is, is really, really hot during Christmas. I come from a place where um, Christmas uh, was a very, very hot season growing up with summer. Uh, it's because we like to sanitize uh, Christmas. We don't want to face the truth of Christmas, what's beneath the surface of Christmas, what it means by having God come into our world, and the demands that are placed in our lives. You see, if, if the Bible is right about who Jesus is, then we really have a serious problem because the way that Jesus puts it, see, is because we are not free. We are trapped, if you will, using the illustration in the beginning of the sermon, in, in that dark room without knowing how to get out. In John chapter 8, there's another passage here in the Gospel of John. After Jesus makes the statement that he is the light of the world, he, uh, he makes this very strong statement. And I'm going to read from verses 31 through 38. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, we are offsprings of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? And Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. I speak of what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have heard from your father. Jesus is saying, the reason why you are rejecting the work that I have come to do, which is to set you free, to move you out of the darkness into the light, is because you believe that you can save yourself, that you can attain freedom by obedience through the law. And guess what? You're a slave to the law because you're a slave to sin, and you will never achieve perfection of the law. Therefore, you are hopeless and helpless. You can never save yourself. And as long as you believe that lie, which, by the way, was embedded into your heart and is constantly being preached to you by your father. And when Jesus says here, your father, in verse 38, he means the devil. The devil is your father. You believe in his lies, right? You believe in the devil. And what he says, that means that you're uh, leaning onto his wisdom. You're believing in his lies. So you're, you're like his children. He says you, you're, you're constantly believing this lie that you can save yourself. You are free and you have power to do so. And it is offensive for religious people to hear that they need a Savior, <laughs> that unless they receive the help from the rescue that God has sent into the world in the person of Jesus Christ, they're doomed and they're lost because they feel like they're pretty good people. And that was the issue with the religious Pharisees of those days. 
They felt that uh, they did not really need a savior. They liked Jesus as a teacher. They followed him because of, uh, of the life in which he lived. It was a very attractive life and the things that he taught, but they had a very hard time accepting his salvation or understanding his salvation because they believed that they could rescue and they could save themselves. You know, one, one of the things that's very ironic about Western modern people is that Western modern people, they, they have a tendency to reject Christianity because of the narrative that uh, they have bought into. And that is that our life is our own and that we are free to do as we want and that we should not live our lives in conformity to no one, to anyone else's expectations except for, for our own. I remember watching a movie in, in 2014 entitled Calvary. And, and, there, and that movie, there's a conversation between a priest and his daughter who had attempted suicide and had failed. And he's having a conversation with her and says, why did you do that? And she says to him, my life is my own. It's my life. To which he responds, true, false. You see, he did not change his mind from truth to false. He didn't go from, yeah, this is true, and oh, actually it's false. What he's saying is it's both true and false. He's saying you think that you are free, and it's your life, but you think that you are free, that you have no other masters and lords? No, you are not free. A Becky Pippert, Christian uh, writer, used to say this. She wrote, she wrote in one of her books, whatever control is really is our God. The person who seeks power is controlled by power. The person who seeks acceptance is controlled by the people he or she wants to please. We do not control ourselves. We are controlled by the Lord of our life. Wow. How does that truth make you feel? See, you think that you are free, but you're not. You're serving some other master, some other Lord that's far inferior to Jesus, of whose salvation is insufficient compared to the salvation that Jesus has come to bring into the world. While you refuse to call him Lord, man, you are under the mastery of another master, of another Lord. How does that make you feel? I feel that <laughs> you only have two choices. One is to shut him off, and the other one is actually to worship him. Let me bring another C.S. Lewis quote. I know I'm full of quotes today, uh, but you know, C.S. Lewis has been particularly helpful in this sermon. He, he says this about Jesus, either this man, Jesus, was and is the Son of God, or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool, you can spit at him and kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God, but let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. You know what he's saying here is this, a lot of us have no problem calling Jesus a good teacher, a, a great prophet, somebody that lived an inspiring life that others can model after a template of a human being. Yes, Jesus was all those things. But to say that that's all that Jesus was is to not truly understand Jesus, the Jesus of the Bible at all. 
is to not take into consideration everything that Jesus said about himself. Jesus did not come into the world just to guide us out of the darkness, to lead us out of the darkness. He was the light that has, that has come into the world to save us from the darkness. See, Jesus came not to be our example, not to teach us how to do things, how to save yourself, how to get, a, get, get yourself out of this dark room. He came to rescue us. He came as our rescue. He came as our Savior. So therefore, there it is before you. What will you do? Will you shut him off or will you worship him? And what I want to tell you today is this, is that if you bow down and you worship him, see, uh, Jesus professed being God. He forgave sins. Jesus accepted worship. Jesus said that he was one with the Father. If you truly come to an understanding that Jesus is in fact who he said he, 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 he was or he is, and you bow down and you worship him, you will find true freedom. That leads us obviously to point three, how the, the truth uh, sets us free. And it's present, this, this, this statement uh, is, uh, is present in verses 12 through 13. In, in verses 12 through 13, we, we read this, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Uh, one of the things that uh, uh, I want to bring back is the idea that the Gospel of John was written to a Greek audience. Uh, Greek people believed that they were enlightened and that they believed that uh, salvation came through knowledge, through much knowledge, through enlightenment. And John, therefore, uses that uh, cultural and philosophical framework to introduce Jesus to his audience, to this audience. And he introduces Jesus to this audience as uh, the logos and, in other words, uh, the meaning of life. That's what the Greeks search for. Uh, they search for the Logos, all the different philosophical schools. They search for the meaning of life. They debated about what the meaning of life was all about. And, and John says, uh, the Logos that you are searching for is Jesus. He is the light of the world. If, if you, if you uh, enter into a relationship with him, you will know God, and you will understand God, and you will understand reality, and that ultimately will set you free. Salvation is in the person of Jesus. And a relationship with him will set you free. How so? Through the truth. Look at what Jesus says. You shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. What is Jesus referring to? The truth. The truth according to Jesus, is, is, is not a concept, is not a virtue. According to Jesus, the truth is a person. See, the Greeks believed that the virtues were set above the gods. And you know, say so here you have humanity, then you would have the gods, the Greek gods, and above them you would have these virtues like truth and beauty and courage and honesty and etc. And therefore, humanity could always judge the gods because these virtues were above the gods. 
But within the Jewish framework, truth, beauty, love, mercy, justice can only be defined from the Godhead, from the being of God. You want to know what justice is? Look at God. You want to know what beauty is? Look at God. You want to know what mercy is? Look at God. You want to know what courage is? Look at God. You want to know what truth is? Look at God. Do you understand the impact of the statement that John is making here? That without Jesus, you cannot find out the truth. You will not have the truth, but if you have Jesus, you will have access to the truth because he is truth. The same way that he is love, the same way that he is justice. Jesus is the truth. If you know the truth, and the word know here, you know, the way that John uses the word to know, it means to be in an intimate relationship with. It's not just to recollect facts. It's, it's not just about uh, um, knowledge. It, 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 he doesn't use it epistemologically. John uses the word to know, noskos, in the context of a relationship, of a very intimate relationship. By knowing Jesus, you will find freedom. How so? Because the truth will be set before you. The, you know, uh, one of the beautiful things uh, about the verses that we read, verses 12 and 13, is that uh, as you receive him, see, Jesus uh, is the truth that must be received in the context of a relationship. As you receive him, he, he gives you a new life a new birth. Verse 13, you're not born of the flesh, but you are born of God. And what that means is now you have been made or declared children of God. See, in verse, in verse 12, he says, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right. The right, you were declared. Now you have the rights of a true son and daughter because you've now been adopted into the family through Jesus Christ. See, Jesus lost his place in the family of God on the cross so that you and I could be welcomed in. And the only way we can be welcomed into the family of God and be called children of God is through Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God. Through belief in Jesus, we experience union with Jesus. And whatever Jesus is to the Father, now we have become in him. And see, when you become a child of God and you have an idea of what that truly means, when that truth sinks in into your heart that you are a child of God, man, you are set free. You are free from living your life for the approval of others. Why? Because now you are a son and daughter of the most important person in the universe, God. You are set free from the anxieties of provision. You know, many of us are going through a season right now where we're really anxious about our provisions, about our future. What will we be able to provide? Are we going to be able to provide now in the present for our families or for myself? 
when you have this truth deeply embedded into your soul, there's no anxiety of provision. Why? Because you know that God cares for his children. Jesus' words in the Sermon on the Mount, you know, start ringing really true to you. That if he cares for the birds of the air and the lilies of the field, why wouldn't he care for you? For your needs, for your basic needs. If even a bad father gives his children bread when they ask for, why would God not also provide for your daily needs? So you're free from the anxiety of provision. You are free from the fear of losing control. We're, le- we're, we're living through a season where things are spinning out of control. When, when the truth that you are a child of God sinks deep into your heart, you are free from this anxiety of losing control. Because you know as a father, he is in control. And you will never be left wanting. When the truth of being a child of God seeks deep into our hearts, we are free from the fear of surrendering our lives to God's salvation in Jesus Christ. And so my encouragement to you during this season of Christmas is that you would allow this light to shine into your light, that you would lean towards it, and that the darkness in your life and in your heart would dissipate, and that you would truly see who Jesus is, that you would be aware of your need for him, and that you would cry out to him, that you would receive him, as John is suggesting here, so that you would be able to cry out to God, Abba, Father, and you would be truly set free. May God bless you this Sunday. You need the truth, and I hope you heard the truth. Do not resist the truth, because the truth, the person of Jesus, can set you free. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful for this moment that we have had of feeding from these verses in John's gospel. Father, I pray that all of those who are listening to, uh, to, uh, to, this, to this word, uh, Father, would open their hearts to the truth of the gospel. And Father, that uh, many today would be born again into this new reality of being a child of God. Father, and they would experience the freedom that that brings. Father, shine this light on us today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.